0: Hello, everyone. I hope you can all hear me. (laughs) This is my first live, so let's go for it. I don't even know how it works, but we'll find some way around it. Um. Right. I'm just waiting for Clarice to join me on this live. So how is everyone today? Hope everyone is good. Just close the door. For yeah, I'm landscape. Should I do it like this? Yeah. yeah that's that better? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. 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 I was going to play music, I was going to music, but something. To do. I know <laughs> I was going to do it, but I don't know what's happened to my, um, uh, anyway, we just have to leave it. Just one of those. Things. Okay. So yeah. They always you? You? I'm, I'm I'm okay. Yeah, fantastic. Then, I'm alright. Yeah. Let me just invite a few friends and okay. see if the. Mm. How long are you going to be here for? Yeah. Um, maybe just maximum will be an hour. Okay. Yeah. All right. That that'll be fine. Yeah. Because I've got the voice I've got the boys downstairs. Uh, okay. Uh huh. Okay, fantastic. So Clarice, thank you very much for um, coming on this platform. This is Global Sororisis and it's Mm -hmm. a platform for mothers to share their story, the motherhood story. And we all know that that's quite unique to each individual. And so we just created a platform for people to be able to share their story, to talk about the experiences And so I thought it would be very good to have you on here. Um, I'm just going to give you an intro so that people get to know a little bit more about you. And then you can take it from there. So my guest today is Clarice Angafor. Am I pronouncing it right? Fantastic. Mm She is a mother, an autism ambassador, a speaker, an inspirational speaker a special needs parent, coach, and mentor. She's a talk ho- talk show host and the author of Grief to Grit. She's a leading voice for hope and empowerment of individuals and families with complex and difficult life issues, including special educational needs. Through her coaching and mentorship, she has nurtured, empowered, inspired and given hope to individuals and families. She provides a safe space where they can speak up knowing that they will be heard. That's fantastic. And they will not be judged or stigmatized. She is resilient, compassionate, and carries a smile of hope regardless of when you meet her. Yeah, I can testify to her. You can see that beautiful smile there. She enjoys assisting and supporting. Her goal is to help people who come into contact with her to excel and overcome their fears. Fantastic. Let's just give a a round of applause to this lady. I've heard her speak before on um, mom's, is it mother's, sorry, Moms. I'm thinking tried. about mom's It was <laughs> moms. sorry. Mothers um Who Thrive in Business and Life business. and that's yeah. by um Nikki. So I've heard her mm-hmm. speak before and I really enjoy listening to her because she really dwells deep into the her experience and how you know, and some of the things that she said, as I've taken on board and I've used it in working with women who have gone through pregnancy loss. So, Clarice, thank you very much again for your boldness. You know, it takes a level of courage and boldness to be able to speak about these things, particularly in our um, in the African culture. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a taboo to speak about matters pertaining to pregnancy, loss, losing a child. It's actually seen as a forbidden, um, situations and people don't try to, um, not associate themselves with it. So i really commend you for that. So, um, today I wanted to just talk a little bit about your experience. Just go for it. I must say, I, I don't know. You, you're almost bringing me to tears, right? I I just want to thank you for inviting me onto your show today, for to for giving me this opportunity for more people to hear my to hear my voice. I know I do a lot of live shows on on my own platform, and then other people who invite me. But I think this should be my second or my third live at, um, um, show that I'm on on Instagram. So. I believe you are also helping me to put me out there, which it's, I'll never thank you enough. Like you said, I'm Clarice Four and I'm a mom and I usually add I'm a mom and an autism mom at the same time because I parent an autistic child and I also parent uh, uh, children who are non-autistic. Then I'm, I'm a wife. Um, <laughs> other things. I work with the NHS as a data validator. And then apart from work, I, I do a lot of, a lot of awareness, a lot of charity, charity work in the community, mainly around, uh, around autism, autism awareness and other things associated with, with autism, which came up about because I've got an autistic child. And at some point I saw the need for that awareness to be raised in the community, especially in our African community, and uh, uh, because I've got an autistic child, and the experience I've had, and uh, he's fifteen, so I usually say I have fifteen years' experience of practically taking care of an autistic child. So, with with these experiences, and again. I did a postgraduate in in autism and Asperger's at the University of Sheffield Hallam in 2017, 2018. So I use this experience now to be able to support other parents who are going through the same situation that I've been through or that I'm still going through, because I, I believe that when you're going through your experiences, you should try as hard as you should try very much to learn something out of it, because Once you learn, you will also use that experience to help someone no matter how difficult it it is. Then apart from that, at some point I discovered that I don't only have this one experience that when you look critically, it's one of those things that people put under the umbrella of taboo topics where people think they're too emotional, they're too sensitive. And then as if autism experience wasn't enough, I, uh, the the child who is autistic was born premature, and then I had another premature baby who died. These are all things which, all these years, I've seen people tiptoe around them. People just want to put them under the carpet. It's not like it's not. It's not like these things are not happening to human beings. They're happening to you and I. They're happening to our sisters, to our brothers, to our own children. Why shouldn't we? be able to talk about. Then I created my, the, the platform is a Voice of Hope Media, where I usually say I'm the leading voice of hope and empowerment to individuals facing challenging or complex life issues, to be able to speak up, to speak out, knowing that they will be heard but without being judged or stigmatized. Then in, in a nutshell, my experiences over, over the years, they, they've been under these uh, taboo topics. Like um, uh, having an early miscarriage. Shortly afterwards, I had I had a baby premature, twenty four weeks, and then he's grown up with disabilities. Then I had a full term baby, and then another baby again premature. Then he died. So this just came like a blow. When you are grow up as a young lady, you don't actually prepare yourself for such things. Nobody prepares you for this. Your, your mom or whoever played the role of a mom in your life, they don't actually prepare you for the unforeseen because nobody sits and it's like, okay, let me start making up my mind. So, so that tomorrow, if I have a, if I have a, a, a miscarriage, this is how I'm going to deal with, or you, or you start preparing, looking for tips on how to cope when you lose a child, because you, you don't imagine yourself in that situation. So it just hits you like, like a baseball, it hits you really, really hard. It takes you by surprise, it shocks you and it changes your own life. So. These things of, over the years, I discovered, yes, I've been in that place where I was really down, where I, I, I couldn't look up straight. My shoulders were down, eyes eyes down. I couldn't. Because mm-hmm. all of these, at some point, you are hit by depression, which is what I, I went through. Sometimes I still go through, especially when I lost the baby again. So it came to that point where I said, should I just sit here crying? And feeling sad, feeling angry, blaming, and and asking questions, feeling guilty for what I think I would have done and I didn't do, or should I look within, should I look into these experiences and, and try to pick out something positive from them, even if it's a sad moment? Then mm. in the course of my, my journey or, wh- or when I'm talking, I usually say it had to take the loss of a baby. For me to be aware of certain things about me that had to be sorted it had to take the loss of a baby for for me to know that i've been grieving for the past 12 years to know that i've been struggling with depression for the past 12 years so in as much as i i really wish i had this baby in as much as i cry on the baby when i want to look at the little thing the little positive thing that happened with this i think uh, um God's ways are not our ways, right? He does things which at times you can only guess that this is what he was trying to tell you. So when I look back, I see, maybe he wanted this tragedy to hit me this much because I believe that sometimes it has to take a tragedy for your life to be transformed. It has to, have, it has to take a very huge challenge in your life for you to make a major change or a major turnaround. So I think... When I lost this baby, that was when I came to realization of so many things. I felt like these kills that have been in my eyes for a very, very long time are falling off. That was when I was aware that I've been, I've not been well. And, mm. and actually I've been crying out for help, but maybe in ways that people could not understand. And then, because obviously if you're sad, you're angry, you're in pain all the time, but you cannot really say where it pains, but. There's this cloud of sadness that lingers on uh, around you all, all the times. And then the mood swings. People obviously mis- misinterpret them as she's angry all the time. She's defensive all the time. She's this all the time. Nobody really knows that sometimes when people are behaving that way, they are crying out for help. And that's the only way. They can show it. So when I look back, I discovered that I had cried out for hell for a very long time, Mm. but I didn't know the right way because I wasn't aware that that's what I was going through. Mm. So in in a nutshell, my experiences haven't really been, haven't really been the best experiences. At some point I became really superstitious, you know, yeah, when you are grieving, you don't think straight. You don't reason straight. I became really, really superstitious. Why is all of this happening to me? I mean, I sent a message back home. If there's in my to my family, if there's anyone in this family that I offended, and now you did something. You know, in Africa, they say you go and tie grass <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> so someone, maybe someone took my undergarment and did, I went to Baba and did and did something. So I asked, I requested if there's anyone because I've Looked within myself. I don't know where I went wrong. So maybe I'd said something and someone became angry and decided to do something to punish me this way because I don't know what i had done wrong. I've also asked God, he should show me where I went wrong. So Mm -hmm. my experiences haven't really been the the best, especially as motherhood is concerned, having children. Uh, Falling pregnant has never been an issue. Yeah, it's what happens with that pregnancy. Right. But Yeah. But I've not stayed there. I've not stayed in that position, crying, feeling sorry for myself, mm. uh, uh, doing pity parties, and yeah. So, in a nutshell, that's how my, my, my experiences have have been. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Somebody asked a question about. you yeah. <laughs> turn around so so you should be able to see the comments properly? Should I? Work? Did you want to rotate the, the, the camera back Yeah. it so you can see the comments? Yeah. If we did a, if we did a, yeah, that's better for me. Yeah. Fantastic. I okay, think that's good. Yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. someone's asked, you may have answered this already, Chi or he. Hello, Chi. Um, but how did the meet referee or health visiting service help you during this period? How did they help you? Okay. Mm. For my first, um, you know, I'd, I've I've had two, two, two experiences with child loss. Early two thousand and five, I had a, I had an eight week an eight week miscarriage. I, I remember I never had, I never had help. Uh, being being new in the country, you don't really know which type of help is needed. But deep down there, I was really hurting. I, I wished I had someone I could just sit talk to. Oh, you know that moment where you sit, where you you say, I want my mom. You know, <laughs> you just want to sit and look at your mom. Then you just cry. But there's no mom. I I was new in in the UK. Barely, I think, because I came 2004 November. and Then March, I I I had my 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 first miscarriage. So it was really painful. I never had any support. Then shortly afterwards, I felt pregnant pregnant again. But with with my my second boy, who who is 15 now, I had I had a lot of a lot of support because he was preterm. So obviously he was, he was in, in the NICU for three and a half months. And then when I had the loss in 2017, yeah, my, the, I used to work the the previous hospital that I used to work in the NHS hospital, I will not mention names here. So I don't think I... I had a good experience because have, having had uh, difficulties with pregnancy in the past, you kind of you you, you tend to understand yourself. You know when triggers are, are, are happening, You know when something is about to happen. I'm not sure if it happens to to every woman, but at at some point, I felt something was going wrong. Then that little voice that tells you do this, the other one says do that. So just before I left home, that um. 7th of September, 2017, I'd, I'd, i went to empty my bladder because it was a one hour drive. So I felt a shift. I felt like something shifted. Mm-hmm. downward. Then I quickly Googled, um, uh, uh, signs of early cervix, uh, uh, early signs of cervix dilation, because that that's what I, that's what I normally have. So I Googled and Prior to those days, I, I've been having back pains and a few unusual discharges then dizziness, which normally I'm, I'm anemic. So I just said, that little voice was telling me, do not go to work. Go to go to your hospital where you are booked. So I said, the other voice said, well, you work in a hospital, in, in a hospital, so just go. If there's anything wrong, you just pop into A&E. So I listened to that voice and I, and I went. So um, when I went, I... At some, I was going for a training at ten, so I went for my training. Even though I'd noticed some, some uh, um, signs, I went but left the training and went into A and E. They delayed in seeing me. Reason being, I wasn't booked in the hospital. Right, but with my with my understanding, I think in in England, wherever you are booked, you you can be seen in any hospital. I don't know whether it was because of capacity issues or. Or, or not. So I asked them to, because I didn't know what was going to happen to me on the way, if I had to drive, I was asked to, I asked if they could uh, please send me to my hospital in an ambulance, but to cut the story short, the first um, hospital I was in, I don't think I really had, I really had good support. Um, I was admitted there for two days and my waters had already broken, but instead of trans- transferring me to my hospital, which was the agreement, I was being discharged home. So I was discharged home before I arrived home. The baby's leg had already popped out. Wow. So, yeah, so in my, I, I called immediately. I went into my hospital. So there was amazing support that I had while at the hospital being, I I had the baby four days after his leg was hanging out, four days after, after waters had broken and then And he still came out alive, then lived for one hour, 20 minutes. But the support in this hospital was amazing. The staff, the doctors, gynecologists, everyone, but I delivered the baby really quick, the difficulty now was the placenta. (laughs) So I thought the placenta couldn't come out. Obviously the baby was premature, so the placenta wasn't ready. It was still intact. So I had to be taken to, to theater. So in all, I I had really good support while there at the hospital. And even after, because I was there for three weeks afterwards, while at home, I was, I still received a lot of help from them. Even when I did, I I didn't feel like I was going to leave. I would just pick, pick up the phone and call because they had said to me, if you don't feel okay, just call the bereavement uh, midwife will talk to you. So I, so I used to just sit sometimes and just call. Because at times you feel like if you keep asking questions, then you will have concrete answers. <laughs> so, yeah. So to to answer your your question, it, will, it I I received good support during that period. But one of the things which I discovered which I discovered is is um when you've lost a baby um like you've had your baby, you've come home and the baby dies while at home. There's a uh, I think, is it prenatal support? There's support when there's support instantly available when you've lost your baby or for, for parents who've had the babies premature and the baby's been admitted at the NICU, that's a neonatal intensive care unit. Mm. And it, if it happens that you lose your baby during that period, there's support for those particular people. But there's no support for a mom who has her baby premature and then the baby didn't have the chance to go to the NICU. The baby didn't have the chance to come home. So you are in between. They don't know where to will it Will be prenatal care or will it be? So I, I had to struggle a little bit af- afterwards when I was home because they didn't really know the right place to refer me to. So it happened that I had been calling the GP several times yeah. and then I- at some point, the G, my, my GP, because getting to also his first anniversary, I became ill. I was ill. All the blood tests, there was nothing. But I went breathless, shortness of breath. <laughs> then I had to go to Ernie. They did X-ray, checked everything, nothing. Then I went to see the GP. Then when I started and I was speaking to her, it it came to mind. It, came, it actually, she was the one who remember that she she was the one who saw me six months after I lost the baby. Then she said, okay, I now understand your pain because sometimes when you grieve so much, when you grieve for long, it becomes physical. It turns into pain, especially during dates, trigger, trigger dates. Yeah. So anyone watching mm. grief as well, is grief can come in, in, in a physical form, body pains, headache, which you, you don't really know why. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that, that takes... You know sometimes will say that some it's hard sometimes to verbalize the emotional trauma yeah. that, I, yeah. that someone goes through during this period. Um, yeah, that's why I said you're very courageous, and the fact that you're able to channel that energy into your book, yeah, you know, grit to grit. It's so you know, it's something to for you to be proud of. So if you just take just take us through a little bit and just tell us how from that that's those circumstances mm-hmm. into now writing this book, what yeah what what was going through your mind? Okay, yeah. I I must really say it's it's difficult, it's hard to to, to recount these memories without a tears, without the pain that, that comes along with, with, what, with what happened with your loss. But w- one of the things which kept me going was when I was in the hospital, when I was still admitted, I, I started journaling on the 7th of September, the day I was admitted. I have this notebook and there with a bigger book, which I, I, I continued writing while I was home, but I was journaling. Each person that took care of me, I'll write her name. I'll write her name. They, each of them has a, a, a small description against them. Oh, this one was very motherly. This one wanted to know everything about me. <laughs> yeah, and then I'll, I'll write things like this one was so was so caring. Wow. There was a little girl. Wow. I couldn't believe her age and the person. She, I think she was still in her early 20s. But she was behaving like a mature woman. She would come to me to, to give my food. Then she sits on my bed. She holds my hand. Mm. That's someone I could be her mom. But she was so motherly. So I, I was generally anything, everything that I went through, how I was feeling, I wrote, I wrote them down. But in the process of writing, I mean, pen and paper, not typing. In the process of writing, I felt... There was something different. I, I I felt like I'm I'm talking to someone who will not ask me, who will not judge me, or who will not question me why I am feeling this way, or why are you saying this thing about this person. So I felt like I could pour out my frustration because the frustration, the anger was really too much. Was I mean, it was unbelievable. <laughs> so I could pour down everything in that book knowing that this book will not, will not judge me. It will never judge me, will never ask me a question. So I felt free mm. expressing and I felt better writing it down. Then because I, I also said to myself the day I stood on that floor and my waters broke, I know where I'd been before. I know the experience I've been through and I know that I've been in a, in, in a very dark place, but without knowing that that was grief, without knowing that that was depression. So, and I I kept telling myself, so at some point I I was bargaining with God, that if you just, if you just give me two more weeks, and leave this baby to, to stay two more weeks in my tummy. I promise you, I will go down that Neku road. I promise you, I will dedicate all my life to take care of these babies. I don't know why you're giving them to me. So when I remember that day, I said to myself, my waters have broken and I cannot put them back. I said, nobody can reverse this situation, but I can reverse the way I am going to feel about mm-hmm. this. I am going to give myself time to go through this and then I'll come out a better person in the end. Then while still being admitted, I kept writing and writing and writing. I came home days which I really felt that frustration. I'll just take my book. Even in the kitchen or wherever, I was walking in the house with my book and I'll keep writing. You know, no two people grieve the same. And just because you you... You may be having your children, or your brothers, or your sisters, or your husband. It doesn't mean that you guys will be at the same wavelength with grief. There are times where I want to express how I feel at that moment, but he will be at a different wavelength. So I we were almost we were always at, at different lengths with with our grief. So I felt that writing things down in, in my book would be will, will really I really would make me feel feel better. Then in the course of writing that big chunk of material, I asked myself, what can I do with this? Then I typed it out and they reached, I think 30,000 words, I typed it out. And I was like, then I gave it to one of my close friends to read. He's a priest. So he read and he said, do you know, you can actually, um, write a book from this. You can actually, I said, with those emotions, don't you see that I'm too angry? I'm, I'm too frustrated with the rest of the world. He said, yes, that's still possible. but." You could, as the days go by, you you'll be feeling better in yourself and then you'll start seeing some of those things a little bit differently from how you've written them. Okay. So that's how the book actually started. So it's it's basically my story going through the process of grief, going through those emotions of anger, denial, bargaining, depression, and then guilt, then shame, then blame all those frustrations because it no matter how prepared you are mm. for, the, for the loss of someone, it still takes you by surprise. Right at the mm. point where the person takes his or her last breath, it will still shock you, even though you, have, you may have been holding the person's hand, sitting and waiting, but once they take that last breath, it still shocks you. Mm. You'll still be angry. You'll still be frustrated. Yes. So one can never be prepared enough for, for the loss of someone so in this book i recount the 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 motions the emotions that i went through i recount actually what what happened what led to the to to, to the loss of the baby i also talk about uh, awareness as far as premature birth is concerned as far as pregnancy and infant loss is concerned and i also lay emphasis on the fact that life life is life no matter how long the person lived on earth because um, Connecting with other people, with other families, and hearing what other people say about pregnancy, there's a lot of minimization. Someone will say, oh, it was just a little baby you you never ever had time with, or it was just a miscarriage. Mm. That miscarriage was a baby. So oh, some of the things I, I emphasize on in the book is that one day you take that pregnancy test and it shows positive. That's already a life that is developing within you. So that life should never be minimized. Life is life. Whether the person lived for one hour or for 100 years, it's life. So that life really needs to be treasured. And then grief, when grief hits the family, when the loss of a loved one hits the family, if that family is not, is not careful, grief, grief can actually break people apart. Yeah. if care is not taken if help is not sought, yeah it threatened the loss of the baby threatened the love that i have for everyone around me including even god but i had to go back in time to trace where that love all started i had to go back and look so if anyone has read the book in chapter one it's all about the love story my husband myself then the children and then i i I had to also bring out the relationship between my four, my four babies. The first one I've somewhere subconsciously, I always thought she was a girl. So I just named her Angel. (laughs) So even though they were just scans that I saw, but I never saw her. I never felt, her. the second one, I never held him when he came out because he was being taken away to the Nico to, he was being taken away to be intubated and for oxygen to be given, given to him. The third, whom I had, whom I had, whom I had at full term. I never had the chance as well to really enjoy those mom moments When you have hold of baby in your hand first time and you're like, Oh wow. But I was sat there, look at this big fat four kg baby in my hand and crying instead. For for having that opportunity to hold a full-term baby in my hands. And then this little guy comes along and he's born premature. But before he's born, I had all the moments that I could. I was prepared. I I had talked to him. I had said whatever thing that I was going to say. We had listened to music while he was still in there. I could literally feel him moving down, moving down. Then he came out. The one hour twenty minutes that I had with him, it, it still feels like it was a one hundred and twenty years because we had those moments. We had the chance to cuddle, we had the chance to talk with him, and to take photos because we knew that that he would, that's where he was leading to. So that's the love that I have for my for, for my four children. It's in, it, it, it's different, yes, but they are all. And I, I love them in different ways. So that's also some of the, the 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 love that I bring out. Because people will say to you, "I don't understand why you are grieving one just one baby so much, meanwhile you you have other children. You should be lucky enough that you have other children." Yes, I have other children, but the love of one does not replace the other. You 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 cannot re- you cannot replace one child with another. Mm. So yeah. Mm. So that's grief to greed. And, and also the, the, the greed part of it is the fact that I didn't stay in one place. I didn't stay in that, in that dark tunnel where at that point you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but I kept pushing. I kept pushing with perseverance, with courage, resilience, and gratitude as well. All those things helped me. And that's where I had to change everything. I had to change this grief to greed also to inspire others out there to show them that whatever thing you are going to going through whatever challenge that has been thrown to your face you can go through it yeah. it takes time yes yes there are challenges within that challenge because n- n- not everyone will see what, wh- how you're handling the situation but whatever you are going through Aim at gearing towards acceptance, aim at gearing towards greed, towards something positive. Learn an experience from it, learn a lesson from that experience. Hmm. Hmm. Just listening to that is. This is the second time I've I listened to your story. And I think every time I listen to it, I, 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 I learn something new every time. I'm glad that you, you learn something new. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I learn something new every time. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted you to to speak a little bit about, you know, you talk about the, the five, five steps to of grieving in your book. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I just wanted you to just briefly talk about that. Okay. Th- yeah. So for people that are maybe coming through that experience right now, yeah, to give them some kind of understanding on the different stages, it doesn't mean mm. that it's perfect. Everybody mm-hmm. goes through different different stages, and we all go th- yeah. experience things differently. But just mm. just go through that for me. Okay, mm. L- let, let me just open the book to get the here. Um, let's so, yeah, when, when a, friend, a, a friend of mine actually pointed out to me that I've been, that I've been grieving and that I didn't have the chance to, to, to grieve my 15-year-old, my it took me by surprise because that was when I discovered that even at that age, I still thought that grief is just about death, right? So it was at that point that I said, oh, so there's more to grief, just not only when someone has died. So it pushed me now to start reading. So when I started reading, I came across Elizabeth kobler Rose. She's a she's a, I think is an, an American or an Australian Yeah. Uh, right. Australian I'm American. American. yeah. yeah. I'm yes. I discovered um I discovered that she's written the the, the five movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <coughs> <coughs> On grace, I oh, grace. on yeah, on dying, on yes. dying is yes. yeah. Yes. Oh wow, yes, yes, that's that's it. So when I started reading, I looked back and I said, but this is what I've been going through mm. for all these years, and I never knew, and I never, I, I couldn't put a finger to what to what was happening happening to me because people would just say maybe it's, it's what has been happening. They're just uh, experiences, so you have to deal with it. Or uh, or some will even go to the and back by telling me you're in. Don't think you're the only one going through this, which is quite painful. Mm. But I started reading, then when I came across her, I can't really explain why I chose her because there are so many other other people with different stages. But I discovered that, that denial is there when it's happening to you. The first thing is like it cannot be me. Mm. Yeah, you, you 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 deny. Like if someone is dying, the first thing you ask, no, it cannot be. It cannot be that person. It's not just the person I I talked to yesterday. It's not just the person you I saw the 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 profile on Facebook a few days ago. So mom, So so usually when a tragedy strikes you, the first thing, one of the first things that comes to your mind is it comes like denial. But this lady, when she was writing, you bet you have a better understanding because you've read the book. She was right. She had these five stages with the dying in mind instead of those left behind. So before someone dies, they have grief. And um, at the point where they are dying, that's where their acceptance starts. But once they die, those of us who are left behind, that's kind of where our denial is starting. So I went through the through the the, the denial stage and then when I look back some of some of the areas where I was still in denial but was because I the number of times I would go to the cemetery. Yeah, I, I I could I couldn't imagine how many times because I felt like that was that's my second home. I have to. I felt the obligation of going there, and then anger, angry with yourself, angry with everyone around you, angry with God, questioning God, asking God what you did wrong, or if He's such a good God, why would He allow such things to have to happen to to you? Then when I think again, remember I said I had those two voices. That one said go to the hospital here. And the other one said, just drive and go. So I was also angry with myself that if I had done something, if I just listened to that voice I said to me, do not go to work, maybe... Something different would have, would have happened. And then you, you get to that stage where, though you've been angry with God, you've questioned God, then you get to that stage where you start bargaining, start telling me, God, maybe if you could just reverse the situation or you could do things this way, maybe I'll start behave, I'll start behaving like this. Like when my waters broke, that's when I kind of bargained with, with Him. I was like bargaining, pleading, asking Him to just give me two more weeks. Just let this baby stay two more weeks in my tummy, then things will be better. Everything will be okay. I will behave, or whatever thing I've gone wrong. I'm sorry if I doubted the baby in the in the beginning. Things like that, and then along along the way, and I think depending on how angry you you've been, or how sad you've been, depression actually hits hits you as well. Mm. It may not happen to to everyone, but depression definitely comes in and then before you start going gradually to acceptance saying okay this is my reality i'm going to live the rest of my life without this baby or without any anything that has happened any tragedy that has happened in my life i'm going to adjust myself going to adjust my circumstances based on what i've been through and i'm going to look at life in in a positive way but mind you it doesn't these stages of grief they do not move in a linear pattern Mm. yeah if you look critically i have started bargaining even before i i went to the denial stage i had already bargained with god and asked him to to please leave this baby stay in there for two more weeks and things like that so at times it comes like a vicious like a vicious cycle and because people grieve differently as well Mm. then sometimes you can get to the acceptance stage and then a trigger comes in that sends you back to denial or to anger so yeah, see so it it all depends. And you say grief is universal, but it's different; it's unique to each individual. Hmm. Yeah, yes. So, how do, what what is the importance of self awareness when grieving? You know, because sometimes we we're, we're so overwhelmed by the whole emotion. It's very you're not seeing it from somebody on the outside. You're seeing it as somebody that's in the storm. I always say it's like you're in a storm and you you might not realize that you're in a storm it feels Mm -hmm. like it for me it did how important is self-awareness to now Mm -hmm. say okay this is what is going on now Mm -hmm. I need to now find a way to come out of it because for me like my experience it was like I was moving towards the edge of a cliff yeah and if I didn't get to a point to where I became aware of what was going mm-hmm. on it I could easily have fallen off yes, so mm-hmm. why is it important to be self aware okay. during the spirit and how can you become self aware okay Re- remember i i think i I mentioned earlier that sometimes it has it has to take a tragedy mm. for you to, to to discover that there's something to be sorted. In your life, it was at that point that I knew that something has been going on. Something has been wrong. That that I, that which means I need help. So I think being self-aware is one step to healing. You've already healed one part of you. Self being being self-aware is knowing how much your reactions or how you behave, what you say, or Whatever you're going through, how it's going to affect you as an individual, and how it's going to affect others mm. around you. And being self-aware as as well will lead you to read more. Right. Will lead you to understand, to understand, to try to understand more what is actually happening. Because I th- I think it's dangerous when you are not self-aware or when you're not actually aware of what's happening to you. Remember the, the cloud of, of sadness, that like I said, was lingering all along here. I never knew what was. So there are obviously things which I said, which I did, that when I look back, I thought it was all normal. I thought it was okay. But now, to be honest with you, I wouldn't have done it that way. I wouldn't have said it that way. So being self-aware also gives you the, the, the chance to reflect, yes. to look within, to retrospect. And, and it's all gearing towards you becoming a better person. You, you, you said, I always like to use the word moving forward. Yes, to be able to move forward in a positive way, knowing that your actions can affect you and it can also affect others around you. Because what I would have said, maybe prior to prior to September 2017, if given the opportunity now, I will think twice, I'll breathe in, I'll breathe out, I'll reflect before I make such a statement because I have to think, how will it affect the other person? How does it affect me in general? There are also people around me, so I have to be aware of them as well. So that's the way I look at it, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. It's very good. Very good perspective. Um. Yeah. And I wanted to then go to the next question that I had for you, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, there's an African proverb that states that it takes a village to raise a child. Mm -hmm. Um, I also believe that it is important to have villages in different aspects of our lives, you know, that Mm -hmm. support network, you know, people that are there for you when you're going Mm -hmm. through your experience. So would you say through this experience, you were able to find a village? that was able to support you through this? Yes. One thing we, we, which I actually found intriguing was, um, those who have gone through it, that in, in several, um, quarters in that village, (laughs) those who have experienced that some of, some in one of the, one, one of the quarters, they are like, Oh God, I've been through this. Let me go and check how she's doing. Let me call her and find out how she's doing. Then, there are others who are like, uh, this is very painful. It, it It's going to bring back my memories, which I do not want to. I do not want to go there. There are others who, I mean, those who are like, this is going to bring pain. I do not want to go there. They give you a few days, a few weeks or a month, then they come forward. Then there are those who, well, it happened to me. That was it. That was buried. It happened to you. You are not the first person. So live your life. Yes. There's a village yeah there's a village that really supports you those who are there to support they give you maximum support at the same time those whom you thought they are in your village in your tribe most of them are the ones who kind of they just go away then i was very angry because When you have friends, when you have people, obviously we are human beings. We have expectations. If you are my friend and we talk almost on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, we obviously have expectations. We don't have to write down those rules and regulations that this is what I expect you to do. But subconsciously we have expectations. I I know that if I'm poorly, you as my friend, you'll be able to check on me, but it, it does. It doesn't always. It doesn't always happen that way. But along the line, I, I actually discovered that it happens. People drift apart. People drift away because mostly they do not know what to say. And then when they leave it for too long, they end up not. They end up just staying quiet because they've left it for too long, and and now they cannot go back and reopen what they think is an old wound. Yes, there was a lot of support to those who were there, who were available. Family. My husband was there. Supporting with the boys because it, it, it's a handful as well. I could only remember how many times he would juggle to the hospital and back for the boys. And then a few close friends who will stay with the boys as well when he's coming to the hospital. And very close ones who will who uh, um, like my big boy who's autistic, one of his class teachers, she would take his uniforms over the weekend, wash them, iron them, and bring them back on, on Sunday evening. Yes. And then we, yeah, and those, when I was still at the hospital, I had those who would cook and they would take to the boys in the house. Yeah. So, it, so during that moment, you, 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 have brand new people that pop up in your life, willing to support you, willing to give you the support that you need, same as the old ones. Some of them drop, drop off, then some stay. Mm. So, yeah, but at that mo- at that moment in time. Sometimes you, you you get disappointed because you you're a bit focused on those who have not done what you were expecting. That if you are not careful as well as well, you tend not to appreciate those who are right there. So that was one of the things I learned as well to appreciate those who are there doing the little that they can instead that they can instead of thinking of those who haven't those who are not there. Yeah, hmm. you know you mentioned something about bargaining with God. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I did a lot of bargaining as well. Um, and I wanted you to just talk a, a little bit about how it affected your faith during that period and then how it also impacted on your relationship with God after the mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> I, f- I feel really, I feel emotional right now because I when I sit sometimes, when I sit, I think about God, I pity him because the number of arrows that we throw at him when we are going through difficulties, he's the first person to blame, he's the first person to be insulted, he's the first person for, to point our fist and how dare you go, you sit up there and you make all these things happen to us. <laughs> um, if, if he was a human being, I, I think I would have already gone back and helped him and just tell him story. And I mean, in a special way, but unfortunately, he, he's, he's obviously heard, heard my stories. Yeah, when I was going through this, quite a few people referred me to Job, right? At some point, I would just get angry if you tell me to go and, to go and read Job in, in the Bible. Why? Because um, I think God had given Job an assignment or something happened and Job doubted and God punished him, right? So how did I relate this to my experience? I was 40, right? I was 40 when I felt pregnant. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is, uh, gosh, at the peak of my life, and then you give me a little baby, I'll start visiting visiting the, the, the <laughs> antenatal classes with young girls, 20-year-olds, and pushing. Not not to be insensitive to, to anyone to anyone out there who, who falls pregnant, right? At, at 40, the, the, the simple thing is that I had I had prayed for it in 2015, right? So it didn't happen. I had prayed, look for it, it didn't happen. And then it happened in 2017, which is, it would, according to, to human beings, when you are praying, making your request to God, you are expecting God to reply then that moment when you are making that request, when you're praying. But he, unfortunately for me, God had his own plan. He answered my prayer in 2017, two years after I had made that prayer, after I had made that request. So when he answered the prayer, I doubted. I contemplated. Yeah, so many things. So when somebody asked, told me to go back and Job, I was like, so you're telling me that God is punishing me because I doubted he, the, the this precious gift he gave me. So that was when my, my doubts started coming up, and then the fact that I became superstitious at some point. Yes, and um, that was already my faith that I, that I had already lost. And then looking back at all my experiences, I asked him, So you've looked around the world, you've looked in my family, I am the only one you've put it, you, you've given all these experiences to. Why me? Is it that I'm capable of handling them or is it that you are punishing, you're punishing me? So anyone that will call my phone and I know that this person will start talking about God. God knows why God has a reason for everything. I didn't buy in that. I I didn't buy in any any of those. God knows why. Why can't he just tell me the why now? There's a reason for everything. Why can't he give me the reason now? That was, that's how my mindset was at that time. So if if I just looked at my phone, a phone call is coming in, and I know this person will be, oh, God, 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 I would prefer not to answer that call instead of answering and getting more angry. Then I... Because it, it was the emotions were still quite raw. I'm a Eucharistic minister, and then I'm a reader in church. Can you imagine standing there at the pulpit reading... And then you you come across a line that has to do with death or something sad, and then you break down in tears in front of the whole congregation. Or if you stand there, you are giving the communion of the body of Christ to someone, then somebody looks deep into your eyes. You may think that this person has seen my sadness, this person has seen my pain, and then the next thing is you burst out in, in crying because when you're depressed, when you're going through such moments, you, you, you don't really need a long time to 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 break down in tears. So I had to step back from from all my activities in church. Yes, one 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 was because my faith was actually shaky. The second, I didn't want to to have a breakdown. So I did not really go to church for for a while. But after some time, I said to myself, I can't continue living this way because church is one of the one of the. Places where I am being recognized, where I could go there and people are like, Oh, hello, you read very well today. Or someone would tell you, Oh, why was your voice very low today? Meanwhile, the other day. So you, you have that place where, you know, this is my place. This is my community, but nobody was seeing me. There are quite a few people had been asking, is Clarice okay? So I had to step back and I looked again and I looked within. And I, what I did was I turned things around. Instead of asking God, why, 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 which I, which maybe I was still too blind to see the why, I turned around and I said to him, now, you've given me all of this. I've accepted them, but you need to tell me what you want me to do with these experiences because I cannot just, excuse me, because, because I cannot just have these experiences without doing anything with them? Because I know there are many people out there who are struggling with similar issues. Is it that you wanted me to have this experience? I should be able to help others out there. If that is the case, show me the way I'm still asking him. He, he's probably already shown one of the ways in which I've written my book, but I still ask him more show me the way. Maybe I haven't seen the real, the the big picture. I'm still getting into it, but yeah. So that's how I'm trying to regain his trust again. (laughs) I'm trying to regain his trust and to get back into that. But I went, I I started going back to to church and I'm I'm reading now, even during this COVID, I'm the first person to put my hand up. Who is going to be in church? with with a priest. I'm the first person to put my hand up. Yes. So, fantastic! Yeah, so that's how I I I turned things around. So I can actually I can actually sit and I comfortably tell someone, look, there's a reason. God has a reason for putting us through what is what we are going through, and there's a loose saying that, that there's something that people loosely say that God cannot give you what you cannot handle. The way I see it see it is God helps us handle what we've been given. So wh- whenever you find yourself in situations like this, whenever God puts you in institutions in situations like this, He doesn't He 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 doesn't just abandon you there. You look critically. He's given you a roadmap. He's given you that strength, that energy, that courage, that perseverance to be able to go through these challenges. Because if if not of Him. How come you, you go, you face that storm? How come you reach, that you, you get to the, to, to, to the peak of that cliff? Then you don't fall. You turn back. Is it by your power? I don't think so. Hmm. Thank you so much for that. Uh, before we go on, I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm able to save this life. Do you know how to do that? I don't don't know how to save it. I don't want you to go because you're giving so much nuggets. I want people to be able to go and listen. When we finish finish talking, I think you can download it. Right. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Somebody um, asked a question. Summer asked the question, if a believer, um, she said, how can they, how can friends best support those in this process? Okay. Do you want me to answer it? Yeah, now? Yes. The last one round up with a with the poem. Okay. Yeah. That's a good that's a good question. And and thank you so much for for, for listening and, and for watching this live. One of the things which which I have in my book as well is practical support on practical support for bereaved families or bereaved individuals. And uh, also, support is not only financial. One, that's one thing that's very clear, which sometimes people think they could just sit. then they wire you or they wire money into your account. It makes things better. That's the least thing you want during that period. So one of the things supporting a friend, just be there. The worst thing to do is to stay away. Even if you do not have anything to say, be there for them. If you call today and they do not answer, try tomorrow they don't answer send a text message. I know you are not feeling okay at the moment. I will try you again, but I will keep texting just to check if you are okay. Because there's that moment where even if it's your mom, even if it's your dad, even God comes down, you will not want to talk to him at, at that particular moment. So be there. And then there are also words which people say, they mean well, but oftentimes they... Make the bereaved person the, the the bereaved person feels more hurt or more sad during that that period. Seeing things like do, "Do not worry, thank God you already have other children that you can turn back and, and look at." It doesn't really help, and I, I know it. Um, some people, some people who do not have children, may find this um, may find it a bit consoling. T- saying that to someone who already has children and has just lost a child, but but overall it's not really a consoling statement to make. Or t- telling me that God has a reason for everything. So because during that period you are like, so God has a reason for taking only my baby amongst all the babies that have been born. You don't actually see any positive in that in that statement. So during that period. W- 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 your words, what you say? You really have to calculate, really have to be careful with, with what, with what you say mm. really? Yeah. So th- those are some of the things. And then ju- I already said just being there, or maybe if you cannot support her or the family direct directly, or if you cannot support your friend directly, if your friend has other children, you can actually channel that support to the children to the rest of the family or you, you could actually but um suggest all right i'll come for i'll come and do your shopping i'll come and do your your laundry another thing not to do is, is don't say let me know what you need help with because i will never tell you they they will never tell you but you could actually ask do you want me to help with this do you want me to help with that i can take the children maybe for a day out for a day, or your children can come over for sleep over with, with my children, etc. Things like that, yes. But being able to to put yourself down to her own level and, and be able to listen to her when she's talking. Just a listening ear. Not a judgmental ear. Just a listening ear or a shoulder where she can rant anytime that she wants, just to talk and talk and talk and then you just listen, but also putting yourself in a position where you you want to feel her pain, that's trying to understand what she's going through, because the moment you really understand what uh, she or she, because it may still be the, 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 the husband who has lost the baby, and he is confiding in you, and he needs you, that friend, to support him during that period, because the wife may be grieving, and she doesn't have time she's so much in her own pain that she doesn't really realize that he is grieving and our african men as they say they were brought up they have to be brave they try to be brave but if you are there as a friend he needs he needs that support from you as well that listening ear and thank you very much for that um, yeah, I'm, I'm aware that you have, you've got something, you've got another appointment that you have to go to. So yeah. if can just finish, firstly, just tell us how we can get your book. I'm just want okay. to get everybody to get access to that. And also how people can get in touch with you in case they need like coaching and mentoring also. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. we'll go into your, read us your poem, recite your poem, because I know you're very creative as well in that sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, to get the paperback, you can get it from Amazon. It's twelve ninety nine, and then e copies also from Amazon, which is five ninety nine. But there are also autographed copies, which you can get for. If you're in the UK, it's it's fourteen ninety nine, including postage and packaging. And I've already sent to the US, to even to the Middle East. Uh, I've sent them to France and Germany and Belgium as well. So, you could actually uh, get in contact with me here on, on Instagram. What or you, what's your you handle? If you, sorry, if you can just tell me. Clarice Angerful. If, if you check Clarice Angerful, you okay? Clarice I mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, okay. When, when I post this, i put all the details in there as well. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and, then, and, and they need coaching and mentoring, they can, they can contact you also, like in, in email. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they can contact me on that, or they email me or text. I think there's a phone number as well on on my my account. Yes. Okay, they can text you. So, so many parents struggle with with acceptance when they've gone through these challenging and complex life issues. Like I said, including special educational needs. And once you struggle with acceptance, at some point you you struggle with your mental with your mental health as well. So. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So, yeah, so you're going to usher us out with yeah, um, the poem. <laughs> um, there, there are quite a few of them, but, okay, I will not want to be, because there are quite, there are a few which are quite sad and, and I don't want to end the, end the show with, with sadness. So let me just go with this one, please. The title is, please don't, Please do not tell me God did not want me to suffer anymore. Forgetting to know that the same God lets people suffer for a reason. And that, that that there is suffering for love. Please do not tell me you now like the me that you see. Do not tell me I have become so happy, bold and courageous. When all you could see before was a shy, miserable me. I was hoping you'd look past my pain that couldn't be explained. How could you have failed to look beyond my circumstances? People are neither their problems nor their misery. Sadness or misfortunes or sufferings are only temporal. Every beautiful smile veils a story, usually tragic, but it takes time for the frown to crease into a smile. So please do not judge me based on what you see on the outside. Do not tell me God does not give you what you cannot handle. Rather, tell me that God will help me handle what I have been given. Thank you. Wow. So touching. So on that note, I don't want to end this and lose it. So <laughs> no, I don't want to press. I don't want to press that. Don't and then lose it because it's been so a good session I mean I'm getting texts from people already saying it's it's been yeah they really really enjoyed it and Mm -hmm. I just Mm -hmm. want to yeah I just want to encourage everyone to um, get um, Clarice's book um, Grief to Grit available on Amazon and let's support our sister so Yeah, so thank you very much, Clarice. Thank you so much for being brave. Thank you so much as you go forward and you continue to support other women and families out there. You know. We we'll really appreciate that, sister. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. And thank you everyone for for watching and thank you. Yes. Thank you everyone. Sama, Amy, Mr. Plastic, Chi and why also Um, let me just go that Um, Tolani, everyone on here. Thank you, rarity London. Thank you so much, Kenny. Thank you, Ade, thank you so thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for everyone that's joined in. Thank you. Thank you. We'll meet again. Bye bye for now. Thanks.